Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Y'all are kind. Thank you. Hey, we were really, really honored to have the opportunity to get away and just grateful to have a team that we trust so much that makes it very, very easy for us to get away. Also grateful several of you gave to us financially to afford us the opportunity to give away or to get away. So thank you for your generosity. Um, You know, church is interesting because we're like family and we're friends and we're doing ministry together, all of those things. And so... um, Sometimes when we like, like there are no lines between like church folks and friends and all that stuff, but if I don't respond to your text over the next six weeks, it doesn't mean that I just see you as somebody that comes to church with me. We're still friends, um, but I'm not going to respond to your text, so, or your call or whatever else. Um, Hey, so we've been in this series called Better, and it's based out of John 16, where Jesus says that it's better for you that I go, because if I do not go, then I cannot send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And so what Jesus was saying was better than me in the flesh is the Spirit of God in you, uh, giving you power for life. And so we've been in a series unpacking the works and the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, in our lives and what that means for us as a people. Um, And uh, it's it's been just such a rich series. We're actually ending um, that series today, Pentecost Sunday, which is a fitting day, uh, just to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, for all people. And so we're going to jump into scripture in a minute and do that. But I just had something burning in my heart for you um, from this week. And so I just wanted to take a minute, you know, it's important that when... uh, Bread is being served that we eat, and when wine is being poured out that we drink. And I just feel like God just has a, a bit more wine for you, if that's all right. And so what, what, here's what happened to me. I was getting my three-year-old Eli ready for school, and I was not doing anything like seemingly spiritual. I wasn't praying. I wasn't like no worship music on, nothing like that. And it was like God just dropped this word, but it was bigger than a word. Have you ever had a word that's like, well, there's life on that? And what God just said to me very simply, very clearly in my spirit was the word courage. And it did something in me. And it was like, wow, give me a mountain or two to take and I am ready to go. And this is like really poor timing because I'm about to go rest, right? (laughs) But I just felt this thing on me and I felt like God was rearranging some stuff on the inside of me to live courageously. And I'm like, I am itching already to get back. I don't have a problem unplugging. That's not an issue for me, but I'm itching to get back because I feel like God has some mountains for us to take as a church family. But I also, yeah, that's good. We We can clap for that. And so I, I think for me, what I felt was like this impartation of spiritual courage in a personal way, but also I felt like God had it for us corporately, like he's leading us into some new territories. And then finally, I feel like he just has courage for you. And maybe, here, here's what started going through my mind as I was just processing, is that something significant has happened to us as a people, as a nation, as a world over the last four years. And since COVID hit, or three years, whatever it is, this like 
everybody's been timid, yeah? Like, it's like, I don't know what to do. It's like, I don't want to die, right? Like, we faced that. It's like, I don't want to offend people or get canceled or whatever. Like, there's just all of these different things that have been attempting to steal our courage. And I think, church, it's time for us to be a courageous people. Are you with me? And I, and, I, and I don't mean that that means that we be bullies or that we push our agenda on people, but it means that we walk in all that God has for us and we step into his purposes. And so here's what I, I want to do. If you're just like in a place where you realize, man, maybe I, I just need courage. Maybe it's I need courage in my family life, like, men, maybe you need courage just to lead your household, like you've compromised and you've settled on some stuff, and you need to step into the courage and the call that God has for you, or maybe it's in your workplace, or maybe it's just that you need to step out in some things that God's put on your heart, or maybe you need to step into the righteousness that he's called you into, but whatever it is, if you're just at a place where, like, you know what, I could use an upgrade in courage, before we speak, I just want to pray uh, for you. Yeah, it's like, why not have a little extra, right? <laughs> so just put your hands out. Just, this is just a sign of receiving. And I, I want to pray, but I'm expecting right now that the Spirit of God is going to minister to you. Yeah. Lord, you're good. And you're for us. And you tell us that if you're for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. And so, Lord, we, we choose to fix our eyes on you, the one who parted the Red Seas, the one who brought provision from thin air, the one who went to the cross and defied all of the schemes of the enemy, of the religious system, of the political world, the one who gave his life and the one who rose again. And we choose to follow in line with you, and we will be a courageous people. So I just release the, the, the very courage of God, that same command that God gave to Joshua as he was entering the promised land, be strong and courageous. And I just say to you, Sozo Church, in the name of Jesus, be strong and courageous. God has called you into great things. He has called you to defy the schemes of the enemy and to see the kingdom of God advance. He's called you to lead your families into prosperity, into provision, into righteousness, into unity. He's called you to carry the kingdom message, the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. He's called you into great exploits. So in the name of Jesus, I just release courage to you. Courage to lead, courage to serve, courage to sacrifice, courage to live generously, courage to defy evil. Courage to step into God's call on your life. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for participating with me. Do you feel it? You feel like God was doing something in you? Anybody? Yeah. Come on.
Awesome. Well, today we're celebrating Pentecost, and we're, what Pentecost was is it's the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the prophet Joel, not me, I don't talk about myself in, in third person like that, the prophet, the prophet Joel said that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, that your sons and daughters would prophesy, that your old men would dream dreams, your young men would see visions. And I think if we misunderstand Scripture, we'll disqualify ourselves from living in those days. You see, one of the keys to understanding Scripture is to know this, that Scripture was not written to you, but it was written for you. Are you with me? Like, last I looked, none of you lived in the first century Middle East, right? Are you with me? Right, so like the the letter to the church at Galatia was written for you, but it wasn't written to you, right? It's speaking of some specific things that when we begin to understand, it, it provides so much life for us. And so when the prophet Joel was talking about the last days, he wasn't talking about the end of the world. He was actually talking about the last days of the old covenant, which would actually be the first days of the new covenant. Are you with me? When Jesus came, he came to enact the new covenant. So what Ezekiel, or what what each of those prophets, Joel, what each of those prophets were saying as they prophesied the new covenant, they were prophesying about the end of the world when they say last days. They're talking about the last days of the old covenant. They were looking forward to the life provided in the new covenant. Are you with me? Okay. And so... What we can think, uh, think is this, that, okay, the, the Spirit of God is being poured out, and we've seen it. People are prophesying, people are being healed, people are dreaming dreams, and we can start to think, oh, no, that means the end of the world. No, what it means is that we live in a new and better covenant, better than in the days of Moses and the days that followed that are the days that we see started at Pentecost in the book of Acts. Because the Spirit of God is now available to all people. Back in the day, and I don't mean like 1980s or 90s, but way back in the day, in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God came, he would come on people. And he would give them power like Samson, right? And they would have an anointing to bring victory, to bring breakthrough, to prophesy, to see miracles, And then at times, the Holy Spirit would even lift off of those people. And so to live in that day meant that a select few got access to the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus was saying when he said, hey, it's better for you that I go, what he was saying is, I'm going to do something in this day that is coming, in the new covenant, I'm going to do something that that changes the game for everybody. And what I'm going to do is make what was available for a select few available to everybody. That means that you get access to the very Spirit of God. And sometimes we separate the coming of the Spirit from the gospel message. You see, it's not simply that Jesus came 
and that he lived a sinless life and that he died as a sacrifice for us in acting the new covenant that he rose again and then he went into heaven. But it's that heaven then came because he died. You see, his death enacted the new covenant, which means this, that your sin is not being held against you. It's a covenant of forgiveness. It actually changed God's way of relating to humanity. No longer does he relate to us based on our performance, but based on the performance of Jesus on the cross. You see, the new covenant was not between man and God. It was between the Son and the Father. You and I get in on the new covenant because we married in. We're the silent partner. We can't mess it up, okay? And so, but as a result of that, we get access to all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has, which means you and I have access to the Holy Spirit. That's good news. Here's what's great about our access to the Holy Spirit. Our access to the Holy Spirit that provides life and power for us is not contingent on our performance or our behavior. That's good. You see, I, I grew up kind of with this mixed covenant idea, like half of me lived in the old covenant that was performance-based, and half of me lived in the new covenant, which was grace-based. And so I didn't really know, like, if, if I, like, sinned, does that mean that the Holy Spirit was, like, done with me? And so I had this performance way of approaching God and godliness. Now, here's what I think sometimes we can miss when we start stepping into the grace of the new covenant. You're like, oh, Joel, now you're getting into that sloppy agape. That means I could just do whatever I want to do, that, I, that my life doesn't really... No, that's not what I'm talking about. You see, the grace of God is not simply a covering for your sin. That's mercy. It's actually the power of God for you to live out God's call on your life. And when I begin to realize the display of love at the cross, I now choose to honor that with my whole life. Does that make sense? It's a gift. I'm not earning it. I'm not performing for it. I don't do good things so that I'll be in God's grace. Instead, I receive grace that empowers my life. And so I don't perform for God in order to see the power of God put on display. Instead, the cross made me so pure and holy that now I become a good host for the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're a good host for the Holy Spirit. And he's not going to leave you. So what does that mean about your behavior? Well, you can do things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? Your sin is grieving to the Holy Spirit. And when you become sensitive to the Spirit of God with you, and you realize, oh man, that little bit of gossip, I hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. Like, he's pained by my choices. He's not leaving me, he's not divorcing me, but he is pained. And my, my lack of obedience, that, that place where I knew the good that I should have done and I didn't do it, 
begin to realize that that quenches the Holy Spirit. It cuts off the flow of the Spirit of God through my life. It doesn't cut him off from my life, but it cuts off the flow. You see, Ezekiel prophesied of this day, the day that we live in. Go with me to Ezekiel uh, 36. Verse 25, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. What he's talking about is the purifying work of the cross. And I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and impurities and all of your idols. And then he says this, I will give you a new heart. You see, here's what happened when you gave your life to Jesus. We, we used the language that you can't really find in Scripture. I invite Jesus into my heart. It's way better than that. So I invite Jesus into my heart. I receive the new heart that Jesus gives me. That's really good. It says, I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And then it says this, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so when I, growing up, just the mindset I had is what I would call a Romans 7 mindset. Are you familiar with Romans 7s? It says, I, I do what I don't want to do, and that which I want to do, I don't do, and my life is basically a mess. Anybody felt that way? The rest of you aren't telling the truth, and you're doing it right now. <laughs> I didn't say feel that way, but felt that way, past tense. Some of us feel that way. And you see, I, I thought that that's the struggle of the Christian life. In fact, that was the gospel message that I was presented, that I'm just going to struggle. I had some sin issues that I was wrestling with, and the best advice I would get was, try harder and you're going to wrestle with that for the rest of your life. Yeah, just hunker down. Jesus didn't come to set you free from sin, essentially is the message. Nobody would say that because it's heresy. But really, death is your savior. When you die, then you'll stop sinning. And that's the, the message that gets preached, but that's not what Ezekiel was prophesying, and that's not the good news of the gospel. You see, when we talk about Pentecost, now I, I love to see the power of God on display. I love to see people healed. I love to see prophetic words happen. I love to see the miraculous. I, I, I love to see that stuff. In fact, we've, we've seen quite a bit of that lately. In fact, I've got stories that I haven't told you yet. People being healed of things like Crohn's disease, backs being healed, all, like God's just moving in incredible power in our midst, and it's really good. And it's his design. It's not, oh, now we're in the last days. No, it's, it's what he meant for all of us that have lived in the last 2,000 years of the new covenant to live in. But the other thing that Pentecost does, got this word from Billy at Sozo Weekend last year, you see, we talk about, Jesus says in Acts 1, he says, my Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll receive power. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. Say dunamis. Yes. It's where we get dynamite from. It's the very explosive power of God. In fact, sometimes when we're praying for people or giving a prophetic, it's like we, we feel that. It's, what, it's the thing that when I start like ministering with the Spirit, it's that thing that makes me the crying pastor that just starts weeping. It's like, the, I'm like, whoa, there's the power of God right there. It's like something I feel tangibly. 
But there's this other thing, and this is the word that Billy taught me at Sozo Weekend. It's the dynamo. The, the word dynamo, it's, it's, it's the sustaining power of God. You see, it's not simply the, the explosive power of God, but it's the sustaining power of God. It's the power of God that Ezekiel was saying was that I'm going to give you what you need to walk in my ways. And, and you see, church, the world absolutely needs to experience the explosive power of God. But too many times, the witness of the explosive power of God has been robbed by lives that have been stuck in sin management and made a mess because we've been living by the flesh. And so what we see is it's like, oh, we see all these miracles and then we hear the same guy that was doing miracles because you don't do them by performance is having an affair. And what we don't realize is that we don't just tap into the spirit of God for other people so that we can see miracles and signs and wonders and all that stuff. But we live by the sustaining power of God that enables us to walk in righteousness. To walk in connection with him that produces the fruit of the spirit. Are you with me? And so what the world needs is not simply the explosive power of God, but a real visible sign of what holiness looks like. You see, when you begin to understand who the Holy Spirit is, he's not simply the Holy Spirit, but when you look at the language, he's also the spirit of holiness. So he's the Holy Spirit, but he's the spirit of holiness. He's the very one that sustains our holiness, our set-apartness, the thing that makes us different to the world. The thing that makes us look like Jesus. Do we need an upgrade in power? Absolutely. But I actually think for us as a church family, for much of the church, what we need is an upgrade in holiness. What we need is the sustaining power of God that makes our lives not like a bright flash of lightning, but a warm glow that draws people in that begins to sustain us so that we don't say what Paul was saying in Romans 7, that I do what I don't want to do and that which I want to do I don't do, but instead we, we live Romans 8 lives. How many of you know that the Bible, when the authors wrote it, they typically didn't break it up into chapters, right? And what will happen is if you read Romans 7, in the flesh you identify and it becomes an excuse. Oh, I get to live this way because nobody's, we're all stuck. That's not what it's saying. In fact, Romans 8.1 says this, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What it's saying is that you can't be condemned because you're in Christ Jesus. You know the thing, believer, that often keeps you living in that cycle of this. This is the cycle that most of us live. I lived this for a long time. Sin, feel really bad, wait enough time to stop feeling so bad, then allow my remorse to draw me to Jesus, right? If, then I confess. Confessing's huge. It's important. And, and then I, I live good for a little bit, and then I repeat. You've been on that treadmill before? And, and, and what we find is that in that cycle, it's like the flesh is just winning over and over and over again. And, and the problem is this, that many of us were taught sin management 
versus righteousness consciousness. And sin management looks this way. That victory in life at its peak is managing sin really, really well. And it's just about suppressing those bad desires and squeaking through life so that I can make it into heaven. But if we're going to live conscious of our righteousness, we begin to realize that the cross actually, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word about me. That my relationship with God isn't based on my performance. That I am the righteousness of Christ. That righteousness isn't something that I hope to become, but it's actually who I am based on the work of God in my life. That I'm already set apart holy and blameless. That God's already, that he's chosen to remove my sins from me as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. He's not going to call them back at a judgment day. But he's actually the one who knows it all, has chosen to forget and never to remember again. That he's relating to me is the very holiness of Christ. And that he's put his spirit in me that sustains me. And so I don't have to, to live based on sin management. Let me try harder, but instead I receive him and the victory that he's given me, and it gives me victory over sin. I'll talk to you in a second about how to actually face sin from that mindset so it's not just a bunch of words that get us excited but don't do anything for us. And so then I, I begin to realize, okay, now I'm walking with God, so I'm not trying to be good so that God walks with me. But I, I walk with him, and that's what transforms me. Are you with me? That's the thing that transforms me. And so if I'm hoping to be good enough so that God comes and, and, and lives with me, I never get there because I can never earn it. I can just never be good enough for that. But if I realize that he's entering into my mess and transforming it from the inside out, now I've got the power to face everything with him. So my sin issues, my struggles, which every believer I've ever met still has when they give their lives to Jesus, there's still things that didn't get cleaned up immediately that you're still in process with, right? But it's one thing to face them for God, hoping that if I overcome them, I can get to God. It's a whole other thing to face them with God. Because most of your sin issues are this. They're an illegitimate way of meeting a legitimate need. Most of the things that you're struggling with, it's actually God designed you to eat from the tree of life and you're settling from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he, he's given you everything to live that out, but we just settle for less. Are you with me? And so what he wants to do is put his spirit in me that would empower me to walk in righteousness. Now, here, here's the two ditches that we can often get caught up in. One is that Romans 7 thinking. And over in Romans 7, it's like, oh, I just got an excuse for my sin, but I'm forgiven because Romans 8 says that there's no condemnation. So I just keep living like a mess and making messes and hurting myself and people and all that stuff. But the, the other ditch that I've seen people get into is this idea of sinless perfection. And the idea of sinless perfection is that if you're really saved, then you won't sin anymore. And what that leads you to is performance-based living just like that life over there. And I just try harder and try harder. And now I'm trying to prove to everybody else that I'm saved. And I've preached this message that I've got to be perfect. And so now I've really got to live up to it. And so what do I do? I just hide my sin. Right? 
But when we begin to, to live from the tree of life, when we begin to live in all that God has given us, what happens is, is that I, I begin to face my sin with him. I begin to deal with it with him. And, and I, I let other people in when I struggle. And I realize this, that I don't have to sin anymore. But it doesn't mean that I won't ever. Are you with me? Like I still have a choice to make. What does the cross do? The cross puts me back in the garden before the fall. What does it take to sin? Well, it takes free will and it takes a choice to make, right? And God's not removing that from you. So now, you, now you're, you're back in freedom with options. Are you with me? And so the only way to live that out, freedom with options, is by the Spirit of God in me. I need to yield my life to Him to give me the dynamo, the energy to live out the righteousness that He's already given to me. And the problem comes in my life, and probably in yours if you have any problems, comes this way when I stop yielding. When I think, oh, it's okay, I, I got this one. Oh, I don't really want to do what God, he's going to call me to sacrifice. I, don't, I just want to get it now. Right? Like that now thing is what gets us so many times. I don't really want to press in. I just want it now. Well, let me say this to you about your pressing in. Your pressing in is actually most of the time performance. It's better, a better way to do it is just to start to receive. Don't just press, oh, let me get it. I just need to grab God by the ankle and maybe he'll give it to me. No, it's like, oh, man. Oh, how he loves me. Right? Like, whew. We start living that way and it's like, oh, whatever the world throws at me, whatever the enemy throws at me, whatever my flesh has is, is, is got an appetite for is no match to the love of God and the goodness of God. And so the call for us, it's like, our holiness provided by the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit is like a beautiful, like platinum setting ring for the diamond of the power of God to shine brightly. Are you with me? It's like we need both. I didn't proposed to Lauren with a ring without a diamond or with a diamond without a ring. It's like your life, your character matters a ton. But it's what sustains, it's what displays the power of God flowing through you. And if we don't understand the way that those two walk together, then what happens is we show up at church meetings and we can see God move by our faith but it's never sustained by our character. And what he wants to do is put his character in us so that the things you struggle with, you don't have to struggle with anymore. Now, there's, there, there's a couple of ways that we get victory. There are times when God just automatically pulls an appetite for sin out of you. Like, I, I know people that have been delivered like from alcohol, or from perversion, sexual perversion, like it's just gone like that. And that's awesome, that's a gift. But there are other times 
when what God is wanting is for you to learn to partner with him in order to live victoriously. And there is as much victory in that as there is in it suddenly being pulled from you. Why? Because what God's building in you, one, is character, but two, is intimacy. What does it look like to turn to him when temptation shows up? What does it look like to commune with him in the face of temptation? Perhaps that's part of what David meant in Psalm 23. And he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's like, whoa. Yeah, that thing is coming at me. I feel that sexual temptation that, not for me, but maybe for you, that girl is sliding into my DMs. And I'm like, there's no girl sliding into my DMs, by the way. Just, just wanted to be real clear. I'm good, I promise you. Elders, I promise you. And you're like, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I can't get out of this thing. It's like, oh, the solution is communion. It's being with him. It's allowing him to be the sustaining power that gets you. And here's what happens, okay? So you blow it. You don't, you don't make those choices. Well, there's no condemnation for you. So what he's now saying is, I'm inviting you back into intimacy. And here's what happens. When we get out of that, like, sin, rinse, repeat cycle, when we get out of that thing and we start realizing, oh, like, I'm just, I'm clean. The quicker I can get back to communing with God, then all of a sudden, it's like in the middle of my biggest mess-ups, I'm like, oh, no, I can commune with God. And then that shortens a bit more, and it's like in the middle of temptation, I'm communing with God. And by the way, temptation is not a sign that you're stuck. It's a sign that you're alive. Sometimes we think, oh, the presence of temptation is evidence that I'm still stuck in the pattern that I'm stuck in. No, that's ridiculous. The presence of temptation is just a sign that you're alive and you have some options. Okay? So don't allow the enemy to lie to you and say that temptation in your life is evidence that you're stuck. So what I find is that the Spirit of God works in me and it begins to sustain me. So here's what we find is that Galatians chapter 1, or no, sorry, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It says, don't go back into the yoke of slavery or the yoke of bondage. And then it goes on to say that if you walk in the Spirit, the verse, uh, I think it's 16, says if you walk in the Spirit, you will no longer desire the cravings of the flesh. So here's the key. The key is that if I walk in the Spirit, I'm not going to buy in to those sinful desires. So the best defense is a good offense, Right? Like I stay in communion with God walking by the Spirit so that I don't even, I'm not even interested in those desires. You don't just go your own way unyielded to God and then think when temptation comes, now I'm going to start communing with God. It doesn't work that way. It's like, no, you were created to walk with God and with Him everything else falls to the side. You're with me? And then it goes on to say, Paul says in, in Galatians in, in 22, he says this, that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, many of us have memorized that as the fruits of the Spirit. Are you with me? 
Like we thought, oh, the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I left one out, I always do. Kindness maybe is what it is. But it's actually not the way that it works. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then each of those is an aspect of love. Here, go with me. It'll be up on the screen. Love, so joy is love delighting. Peace is love ruling. Patience is love persevering. Kindness is love serving. Goodness is love being. Faithfulness is love trusting. Gentleness is love preferring. Self-control is love leading. We begin to understand that all of those are an expression of love. I was talking with Larry about this before the service. So many times I've heard people say, I really am bad at patience. Anybody feel that way? And they say, oh, don't pray for patience because then you'll get an opportunity, right? And here's my solution to you. You don't need patience. You need the Holy Spirit. Your lack of patience is actually evidence that you're not walking by the Spirit. You with me? Because it's a fruit of of the Spirit. It's an aspect of love. And the truth is, when I receive the Holy Spirit, the love of God is manifest in my life. And the fruit of that is all of these. So you struggle being kind, probably need more of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why you keep getting opportunities to display kindness or patience is because you're praying for the wrong thing. All right? Stop praying for patience. It's not your problem. You just need more of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? God gives his spirit without measure. Here's our problem. We tend to come to him with a measuring cup. We're like, oh, just fill me up a little bit. I just want this much, just a handful. But he's like, no, I have... Not just a dump truck that I want to back up. I've got this whole like five foot round pipe. I just want to stick that in your back and just flow through you nonstop. I'm not bringing a measure. I'm giving you the whole source. It's the dynamo. It's this generating power of God flowing through you. One of the problems that we have is that we've often separated the fruit of the Spirit, which produces the very character of God in us from the power of of the Spirit that produces the works of God through us. But it's one in the same Spirit. And this morning, here's what I sense strongly in my spirit. We celebrate Pentecost, and they were all in the upper room, tongues of fire, all that stuff happened. I, I think he wants to continue to do it. I think he wants to pour out his spirit on you. I think he wants to give you the power that you need to live the life that you've been called to. He's not going to put incredible dreams, prophetic words, all of those things in your heart and not give you the power to live that thing out. 
He put that in you for a purpose. There's a call on your life, and it's not impossible, and it's not unsustainable. It's, it's the very delight of God to give it to you along with himself so that you can see his kingdom come, and he would be glorified through your life. He wants to give you the power of God, the sustaining power of God that would give you the strength to face down every scheme of the enemy, every temptation of the flesh, so that you can live a life of holiness and host him really, really well and enjoy him with your life. And he wants to give you, he wants to give you the very sustaining power of God and he also wants to give you the very dynamic power of God that gives you the strength to see the kingdom come in the in miraculous ways that transforms the world around you. And he doesn't want you to live an either or life, it's both and, it's all of that. He wants to put his whole kingdom inside of you and put you on display to see the world transformed. And that transforming starts here. It starts in you. And then it begins to seep into your family, into your coworkers, into your friends and neighbors. And before you know it, he started something that begins to transform the whole world. And so we're just going to have a time. Our ministry team's going to come forward. We're just going to have a time for people to receive. And I just feel like God's just, he's just wanting to pour out his spirit on you. So ministry team, you guys come forward. Everybody, y'all can stand. I know we've got some folks in here that need healing this morning. Uh, I was given a, by somebody else a word of knowledge about uh, people had tingling in their head, but I just feel like there's maybe some brain issues that people are, somebody's wrestling with. Maybe it's unknown mass or, or, or tumors and God just wants to heal you. I feel like just as I've been praying I just feel like God wants to heal cancer this morning. So if you're wrestling with cancer, just say there's no cancer in the kingdom of God and it's, it's going to go. And so if that's you, come on forward. You may be here this morning and you've never entrusted your life to Jesus and you just need to give your life to Jesus. Say, I am all in with him. I'm tired of going my own way. I'm going to yield to him. And if that's you, this team would love to pray with you. But they, they're, uh, yeah, they'd love to pray. Let me pray for you. And you can come on down just to receive ministry. Um, you may want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That would be a good idea. We've just seen people encountering God. And so if you're just hungry for more of Him, you don't know what you need, come on down. And so, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we honor you. We welcome you. We thank you that you're here and that you are among us and that you are pouring yourself out, that you give yourself to us freely. So we just welcome you here. Thank you, Lord, that this morning that you are healing and that you are imparting spiritual gifts, that you're giving us uh, even just an upgrade so that we would walk in victory over sin, over the schemes of the enemy. In Jesus' name.